Thank you, Debbie. Good afternoon, and welcome to this second part of this amazing uh, workshop on mental health and self-love recovery. Um, did you guys did your assignment? Do you had time to find a time to pray and ask the Lord to do this hard searching? How did it go? All right. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I know, time is short. And as I mentioned this morning, this is something that we need to do daily. You know, this is just a start to show you that this is something that we should make part of our lives, of our daily prayer. Because after the enemy has sown those evil seeds in our lives and now have established us on a broken belief system, now we are no longer that clean, innocent, pure vessel of water. You remember how this stutter? So pure and clear. And this is how our friend looks like now. So after the enemy has been taking you through this process of destroying your innocence and your identity, now you are no longer a vessel of honor. Now you are a trash can and you are a carrier of evil seeds, of evil fruits in your life. And this is the reason why I have this little guy over here. Some of us look like that. We carry so much baggage. We carry so many emotional wounds and things that are unresolved from our past. And it's very uncomfortable to, get, uh, to confront the trash within ourselves because you have to empty everything and it's going to smell bad, right? Right? But putting your trash can underneath your bed, do you think that's going to solve the problem? Of course not. Do you think that if you spray a lot of perfume, it's going to help? Of course not. You can put makeup, you can spray the most beautiful essential oil, but it's gonna be smelly. Trash is trash. So this is the beginning to walk into the path of forgiveness, emotional, spiritual healing and freedom. To get ourselves uncomfortable and try and, and, and turn and, and th throw away our trash. And this is why I included this exercise of heart searching. Because sometimes, many times, we are now, we now identify ourselves as a trash can, but we think we're still a vessel of honor. And we're not. All right? Now, in this second part, we're going to see something very important. Apart from, uh, let me see. Thank you, brother. All right. Let's talk about prayer. This is the first step on this process to emotional, 
spiritual healing and freedom. And when I mention spiritual, it's not because I'm talking about spiritualistic things. But remember that when the enemy, the sower of evil seeds, established those evil seeds in your lives, now you are being established on a broken belief system. And that will directly affect your spiritual life, how you perceive God, your relationship with God. So in our friend's um, case, one of the problems that she began to have is that because of her father's rejection while she was a little baby and throughout her first years of life, now she's not able to see her heavenly father. Now she's not able to connect with her heavenly father because there was never a healthy connection with her earthly father. And now we need to come to God in prayer and ask the Lord to search our hearts and to work in our lives. When you cooperate with the Holy Spirit in this process of deep prayer and inner healing, then God will not only repair you and mend you, but will renew you and make you a channel of blessing. Okay, I think we are. Oh, here we go. Thank you, baby. A channel of blessing. Then you will able to look at it and say, it is the Lord's work and it is wonderful indeed. We need prayer in this process. Without prayer, we can't do this, all right? Now, we are, we are going to divide in groups of two. I want you to find a prayer partner. And we are going to spend three minutes in prayer, okay? You decide who is going to pray in your group of two. And I want you to focus on pray for the Holy Spirit to help you identify evil seeds, right? Remember, every seed will produce a root and then fruits. But we want to identify the seeds. Pray for a Christ-like love towards others, mindfulness and thoughtfulness. Because you are, you are not the only trash can walking around. There are many other trash cans run walking around, and we need that thoughtfulness, right? The mind and the love of Christ. Not to condemn our friend, not to tell him, you smell really bad. No, because probably you smell worse than, than your friend sitting next to you, right? So we need this mindfulness, this thoughtfulness, the love of Christ. Ask God to move your heart towards the path of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not something that we are born with, right? We need to ask the Lord to move our hearts into this uh, path of forgiveness and thank God for his divine intervention in your life. It's beautiful in this process when we see God's intervention in our life because without his intervention, we are nothing. There is nothing we can do. We need to depend 100% on him, especially if we have been established on dysfunctional patterns and behaviors where we use the human being as our source of comfort and uh, confidence and protection. And we make that human being or people everything in our lives. We need to connect and trust in God. And lastly, oh, okay, 
Ask for divine power, resilience, and determination as you embrace the journey to emotional, spiritual healing and freedom. All we need power, but not our own power. We need divine power, the power of God. And we need that resilience because sometimes you feel like giving up. Your trash smells so bad, you don't know how to handle all the baggage you are carrying on, but God is willing and able to help you and determination as well. There is a destination I want to reach. I want to set myself free through the power of God. And when you set this destination, you see it. You keep your vision clear where you see yourself in 5, 10, 20 years from now. There is hope, right? And this will help you to embrace this wonderful journey. So now I want you to find your prayer partner. And you decide between the two of you who will pray. And I want you to include these five points in your prayer. Uh, we will take three, time, three minutes to do this process. We are nothing without prayer. And you know what? The most beautiful aspect of prayer in coming before the Lord is that He doesn't care. He will not be ashamed or he will not um, go away because of how we smell <laughs> and because of our dysfunctionalities and the baggage that we carried. He came to the world to deal with that because he loves us unconditionally. All right. I was planning to leave this at the end, for the end, but I have decided to do it now. I would like to introduce to you my very special friend. All I have from her, it's an old picture. And I want to talk a little bit about our relationship. Throughout the years, I have learned to love this friend, to accept her. But especially, I have learned to build healthy boundaries around our friendship, our relationship. It hasn't been easy. But it has been a wonderful step for the two of us. This is a picture of my friend. This little girl right here represents my past. She's the main character in my story. But by the grace of God, she doesn't represent my present. Neither she will define my future and my destination. And you know why? You know what? I have learned throughout these eight and a half years, through this journey to emotional, spiritual healing and freedom, the Lord has taught me, my Heavenly Father has taught me the most valuable lesson of my entire life. I have learned that in his most precious, beautiful hands, rejection is redirection. In the heavenly hands of my Father, in his loving hands, rejection is redirection. And not only rejection, but any trauma, any traumatized experience, any 
physical, emotional, sexual abuse, abuse, anything, God can turn that into a blessing, into a gift. And we, God gives us the choice not to be defined and defined ourselves for what took place in our lives when we were just growing up. The enemy, the sower of evil seeds, he wants to define our destination, our story. But God is working so hard to redirect our path and our lives. Now, from now on, I was speaking from me. <laughs> That's my friend. And now, I want to share with you seven steps on a journey to emotional and spiritual healing and freedom. The Lord has been taking me through these seven steps, and I want to share them with you all. First step, calling out to God, calling him out for help. The Bible says, call me and I will answer thee. How much we need to trust God and, and use the tools that he has given us to reach up to him for help. So this is the first thing I did in this journey. I called out for help. A winter night, a very cold winter night, I couldn't sleep. I was on my knees crying and just talking to God, opening my heart before him. And I said, Lord, I want to understand why I feel this rejection. I don't know where it's coming from, but it's destroying me. And by the way, at that moment, I didn't know it was the seed of rejection. But I wanted to understand so many things in my life. I wanted to understand why I had issues on seeing God and feeling Him as my own Heavenly Father, as my Father. You know, you can spend your whole life at Harlan and at a religious, beautiful, spiritual place and not feeling God, not knowing that God is there. And that's terrible. Because this happened after I graduated. Five years here at Harland. And my friends, I couldn't feel God throughout my years here. I will sing at the choir about God's love, and I could not see him. And I didn't understand why. When I was three years old, and then forward into my teenage years, I will sit down every morning during my personal devotions, I will open the Bible. I couldn't see God in God's word. I will open the spirit of prophecy, so powerful. I couldn't see my heavenly father. Why? Because I never had that healthy connection with my early father, and I couldn't move into a deeper connection with my heavenly father. So calling out for help. It's the very step we need. That night, God impressed upon my heart to take my phone and go to Google, no, YouTube channel. I didn't know what I was looking for, 
But I was just scrolling down, down, until I find this beautiful poem written by Dr. Ross Rosenberg. And through this poem, he is sharing his own experience on how he was set free from codependency. He grew up in a very abusive home with very abusive parents, and he became a codependent person. So when he tried drugs after trying drugs and trying so many things to soothe his emotional emptiness and pain, he finally found out what was his problem. And he decided to study psychology because he wanted to help others to find the path to freedom and forgiveness. He's not a Christian author, but I was so touched by his story. Because when I read this beautiful poem, and if you want the whole thing, I'm just going to share a little bit, few um, phrases from this poem. It's pretty long. There are some copies Three copies here if you want the, the whole poem. When I read this poem, I felt I was reading my own life. I began to cry, but I thank God because that was the beginning of an amazing journey. On becoming a rose, the journey to self-love. Breaking through self-love the, is the most difficult uh, journey for paralyzed and anxious rosebud people whose roots are deeply and inescapably implanted in the hospitable soil of forgotten and discarded dreams. Perfect and pure, filled with potential to, to become a most beautiful, unique, and remarkable flower, wounded roses who were neither protected nor nourished not only to hunker down in a safe but state to weather unpredictable storms. As we vulnerably and carefully come to full bloom, stretch our arms out and connect with an unpredictable but potentially loving world, we will experience for the first time the freedom of a flower. Only at this time, we will finally understand the cost of mistaking ourselves for a rosebud and not for the flower we always wear. Are we filled with potential? Oh, yes, we are. God created us wonderful and beautifully made. That's how we are. But somehow, the enemy of our soul wants to destroy the potential that God has placed in us. Revelation of the truth. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There is a truth that God wants to reveal to you. Actually, there are two. The truth number one is the truth that damaged you while you were an innocent, pure, fragile, and vulnerable child. That's the truth that he, the first truth he wants to reveal to you. Because God cannot reveal himself, the truth within himself, if he hasn't revealed 
that truth that is in our past first. Because remember, our belief system, it's a broken belief system. So we need to confront ourselves with the truth, with that truth that hurt me, that damaged me, before I can understand and receive God's revelation in my life. He is the truth. He's the life. He is the way. But his truth, his love, his life within himself cannot help me until I decide to confront that truth. It's scary because what we have learned to do is to hide in our trash can everything that has damaged us. We don't want to share it. We just want to spray some perfume, put some makeup, and continue with life, thinking that everything will be just fine and perfect. We need to get out of our comfort zone. And as it doesn't matter how painful it is, we need to be confronted with that truth. Doesn't matter how painful, horrible, smelly that truth is. If we truly want to then receive God's revelation of his love, his acceptance, his uh, love and everything he is and the way he loves us. You know, I always had a hard time to accept that God loved me. You know, when you tell your little child, God loves you, God accepts you, and you have rejected him because he is not the boy you wanted. Or because he had some, he hasn't met your expectations as father, as a mother. How dysfunctional as parents we can be, forcing our children to love God, a God that they, they haven't seen and experienced, because we are supposed to show them God in their first years of life, to reflect God's love before them. Now, how? Are we going to love this God, this Father that we haven't seen? Right? Revelation of the truth. Now, after God moved into this step of revealing these two important truths in your life, the truth about what hurt you in the past and the truth about himself, now he's going to take you to a breaking point in your life. Because revealing the truth that has hurt you is not enough. Now you need to take an action. And that's when things get really intense. Because imagine, for almost, let's say, 30 years, you have been established on this broken belief system, and now you have to be born again. It's like change everything. The way you perceive people, the way you perceive yourself, the way you perceive God, everything has to change. And that's when people get frustrated and discouraged. And Paul says that about himself. The good I try to do, I'm not doing it. And the wrong I don't want to do, that's what at the end I, I do. You know? So... Through this broken, breaking point, God will get to your heart. And there are two things God needs to break through. Your pride 
and that carpet, I call it carpet rag mentality. One is holding on to pride. I don't need to change. I'm good how I am. And the rag carpet mentality is thinking that the only purpose you have when you, became, you came to this world is for people to clean their shoes on you because you don't have self-respect. You don't have self-esteem. You're broken. You don't know how to function. You don't know how to set up boundaries. So you allow people to control you, manipulate you, and use you. And you adapt yourself to that, and you think it's normal, but it's not. So either side is not good. So God needs to break through that. Break through that wall of concrete to get into your heart. And the reasons why he does this is for the purpose of establishing a vertical relationship with you and not a horizontal one. In a horizontal relationship, you are, not, you are not focusing on God. You're just seeing what people think about you. You care about your image. You, you are expecting people to, to accept you. You are just looking horizontally. And you are losing God's presence because you are caring too much about what others will think about you. And you are not looking up to God. God needs to break your codependency, your spiritual, physical, emotionally codependency with people, with humanity. Not because he doesn't want you to establish relationships on trust. God wants us to establish us and, and it work so we can have this healthy relationships, right? Life is about relationships. But he needs to break through so we can begin to Work on healthy relationships, and especially with him. For the purpose of breaking the false belief system in which you have been established. Oh, that's hard. But we know as Seventh-day Adventists that we need to be born again daily, right? And that's part of the newborn experience. All the old things have passed away. Yeah. Now everything is made new, right? Mm -hmm. For the purpose of freeing you from the emotional baggage and self-destructive behavioral patterns. He needs to get deep into all that broken foundation and shake your life. And he will take you through hard experiences, to trials, and not because he doesn't love you, but, he, but because he wants to heal you from within out. Usually what we do, we work all the externals, and we don't care about what is in the heart. But God knows the heart. We can deceive our spouse, our children, our friends, family, but we can't do that with God. He knows our hearts, and he wants your heart, my heart, healed and free for the purpose of sanctifying you. God is sanctifying a people in these last days. He needs a people free from all these dysfunctional behavioral patterns. He needs people free from the bondage 
of the sower of evil seeds so he can work in you and through you. God's appointed GPS, this is my favorite one. In the same way that we need prayer, we need this GPS. He, when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is come, he will guide you into all truth. As you move into this journey, you need to walk hand by hand with the Holy Spirit, kneeling down in prayer, Lord, show me what is next. What do I have to start working on? And, I, I, and when you advance and you reach a point, God will tell you you are ready for the next one. But this is only possible when you are trusting your GPS, when you are trusting the Holy Spirit, when you are working with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not do the work that you need to do, but he will there to guide you and to show you what is the next step. And the problem is we are so busy sometimes or many times that we just say a quick prayer and run to our workstation. And we left the GPS at home. And then we get to our workstation and we find another trash can like us and we're like, boom and then confrontation, and then all these dysfunctional behaviors, and, and, and the workstation is more like a war zone, you know, not a healthy environment place, but just a place where trash cans are trying to figure out how to work in between. That's not how God wants our lives. He wants us to, to have healthy relationships, to build lasting, long relationships, I will glorify God, but we need the GPS, this divine GPS to lead us into this process. Now, there are some books, apart from this divine GPS, there are some books that I want to recommend to you. Healing of Damaged Emotions by David E. Simmons, Putting Away Childish Things, Healing of Memories. I haven't read this too last books, but the, the up there, Healing for Damaged Emotions, wonderful book. I truly recommend that book. Read it. Beautiful. It gives you a lot of practical ways to move into this journey of healing and freedom. The next one, Belonging. Beautiful book by Nancy and Ron Rockery with Nancy uh, Kuzma his wife, beautiful story about rejection and how to overcome rejection in your life. You know, there are not so many books that I will recommend to you apart from these ones. And the reason why is because we need to trust more the divine help that we have than human help. Books are good. You find really good resources, but please do not become dependent on that but because they will never take the place of God, the Holy Spirit, in your life. They will give you some guidelines, but the only one who can truly take you into this path to forgiveness, spiritual healing, and freedom is the Holy Spirit and God working together. But I truly recommend you these books and the one I mentioned this morning, Surviving Narcissistic Abuse, the Human Magnet, Syndrome, the codependent narcissist trap. 
really, really good book. I don't recommend you to go online and just read anything about psychology because psychology out there in the world is more centered in humanism, in yourself. You, you work your, your, your way out from this. Oh, no, 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 that doesn't work. We need God. And one of the reasons why I love this author is because even though he's not a Christian author, he mentions that you need a power out of yourself to overcome all these issues. Even himself recognizes that. So we need the power of God. Learning to love and accept yourself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. But oh boy, we only love the Ten Commandments and we forget about this one. Sometimes we don't even handle the Ten Commandments and this one, we don't really pay so much attention because it's telling us that I have to love myself first if I wanna love my neighbor, neighbor correctly. If I wanna love my spouse correctly, I have to learn, my, learn to love myself first. If I want to lo love those around me in a healthy, correct way, I have to learn to love myself first. Because if you don't have love, you cannot give love. You cannot give what you don't have. And that's why many children grow up with vitamin L, love, deprivation. Because parents are so empty and needed and broken that they are not able to love their children and supply this important vitamin, vitamin L. And we need to ask for this vitamin because it's not manufactured in this world, it's manufactured in heaven. We need that. You know, going through this step, it's been a long journey but a beautiful journey in my personal life because growing up, I didn't know that you are supposed to love yourself. And unfortunately, when we read Paul, we misunderstand what he's trying to say. He says we must die daily, right? But somehow we read we must kill ourselves daily. How do we kill ourselves? When we allow someone to control and manipulate our emotions and our feelings and our actions. That's how you kill yourself. How we kill ourselves? When we don't embrace independence, emotional independence. And we become dependent from someone and we use people as crushes. No, muletas, crushes. And without those crushes, we feel we are nothing in this world. Even if the crashes we're using or we're having in our lives are damaging us even more, are being very um, narcissistic and, and, and throwing all their dysfunctionality in our lives, we are just so dependent from these crashes that we think we can't survive without them. But God is calling us to put those crashes in the closet and now hold unto him and depend 100% from him. Love yourself. Not easy, right? Because we can say, oh, I love myself. But it's not about looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I love myself. 
No, it's having emotionally, being emotionally healthy enough to say to someone who is manipulating you and controlling you, stop until here. I need to set up some boundaries. Thank you. That's self-love and respect. God doesn't want you to be a carpet. God doesn't want you to be a rag. He didn't create you for that. He created you for, for something more greater and bigger. And you need to understand that. Not until you understand that, you will walk into setting boundaries and now respecting yourself. Okay, Debbie? Okay. Deep cleaning. Wow. If a man therefore purge himself from this hurt, bitterness, anger, hate, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. God will not use you while you're still holding this false, broken identity of a trash can. He cannot, because he created you to be a vessel of honor. He wants to pour his Holy Spirit in you, but he will not mix holiness with sin. Just can't work. He needs to sanctify you, refine you, work in you as long as you allow him and set you free so you can embrace the identity he originally gave you when you were conceived. Deep cleaning. How do we do this deep cleaning when we're talking about emotional uh, healing and freedom? You know, when you clean a house, what is the first thing you do? Okay. <laughs> okay. Of course, you need to you need to point out what's. Dirty, and you're going to focus on that. You need soap. You need soap. Okay. Very simple step. If you want to get clean, a clean heart, a clean mind, and start throwing away all this baggage and garbage and all this, all this emotional baggage, you need to confront the person that damaged you. And my recommendation is write a letter. If you are not able to talk to the person personally, write a letter to that person. Just praying and saying, Lord, give me forgiveness. I want to forgive this person. That said, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I'm telling you by experience. When the Lord showed me this, I was like, no, Lord, everything else. But confronting people, I hated confrontation. And I sh I'm sure many of us do, right? We don't like confrontation. But if we don't confront the truth that hurt us, we will not set ourselves free. The first advice is do it personally. That's a Bible principle. Bring your brother, sit him down, talk to him, reach to his heart, to her heart. Brother, that day, in such and such and such a time, you did this and this and this, and I'm not here to judge you or condemn you, 
but to tell you that whatever you do, you hurt me and you were an instrument of the sower of evil seeds. But God is taking me through a journey to freedom and forgiveness, and I need to take this step. It's not easy, but if you cannot confront a person personally, write a letter, but send that letter. In many books, you find different advice, like write the letter, burn the letter, and that will help. In my personal experience, did not help. Did not help. And I will tell you a little bit of this, about this. About five years ago, the Lord showed me, you need to write a letter to this person. I was like, no, Lord. Give me someone else. Not, not no one. You need to write a letter to this person. You want to move forward into your path of forgiveness and freedom? Write a letter. So I did. At the end, I wrote the letter, and I kept it in my computer. Three years passed without me sending that letter. And you know, the problem, the, the emotional issues I was having is that throughout almost 11 years, almost every night, I was having nightmares with this person. And you can ask my husband, I will woke up, wake up screaming during the night. It's because somehow the emotional pain and your, your, your baggage, all this emotional pain has to come out somewhere, somehow. And I remember the advice he gave me, my beloved dear husband, who has been a great blessing in my life. I recommend you to write a list of names. And this is what I want to recommend to you as well. Write them all. Just ask the Lord to remind you of the people that hurt you in your life. And then you're going to write a letter to each one of those people. Send it. Well, it took me three years to send that letter. Three years. And one day, I just couldn't take it anymore. I kneeled down and I said, Lord, I'm so scared. Because you know what? Remember, fear controls you. Satan knows that if he plays fear in your heart, that's it. Fear will block you from reaching to the door of freedom and forgiveness. Forget about fear. Fear. God is powerful and he will conquer any fear you experience. So I kneeled down, I prayed, I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, even though I'm scared to death, I ask you send the Holy Spirit before this letter and I ask that your Holy Spirit will reach the heart of this person before the letter gets to the individual. I did click, I send it. That same night, my nightmares stopped. I even didn't have the, the answer, but my nightmares stopped. And I was so amazed. I said, Lord, this is it. So now I want to write to the next person and to the next one. It gets amazing. Not everything is in this journey is scary. When you work with God in prayer, with the Holy Spirit, now you get excited about what is coming next. You are getting yourself free from fear. Fear is not controlling you anymore. You are controlling fear through the power of God. And you said that's it. 
Two weeks later, I had the answer, and I was crying. The Holy Spirit reached this person's heart, and she asked for forgiveness, and she acknowledged what she had done wrong. God conquered, not fear. All for the glory of God. Amen. We need to go through this deep cleaning, even though we don't like it. There is no other way around. There is no other way around. And we think that time will fix everything. And we put everything underneath the carpet. Time will take care of that. Oh no, time will make it, make works everything worse, so worse. Time will not help. In fact, time will be your enemy because we are running out of time. Jesus is coming soon. And right now, we have the blessing to have Jesus in the most holy place with open arms to receive our prayers. But after his ministry in the heavenly, most holy place in heaven is done, it's done for us as well. So we need to use the time we have to work on all these issues. And it doesn't matter how hard it is, shake your trash. I don't want any, any behind, any leftovers. Next, learning, okay, um, all right. Forgiveness is the key that opens the door to emotional, spiritual healing and freedom. That's the key. The door is right there. God will give you the key, but you need to take the step. God is not going to do it for you. And sometimes that's what we want. Lord, can you take me from here, there, in an airplane? Because it's just so hard to ask for forgiveness or confront the situation. But forgiveness is the key. We need to take the action. Now, forgiveness... It's very important. We mentioned forgiveness is the key, but forgiveness is not justifying, justifying actions. They say, no, nothing happened here. Everything is fine. No, you, you're good. You're good to go. No. Forgiveness doesn't justify actions. Forgetting time will heal this, as I, I was mentioning before. And you know, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, we find a description of the end-time family. This is a broken, dysfunctional family, but this is not the main issue with this family. Jesus himself is speaking to this family and presenting and showing and revealing to this family their issue. You are broken, you are miserable, you are blind. Oh, but this family said, oh, we're good, we're rich, we have need." of nothing. Time will heal everything. That's deception. God wants to, uh, Satan wants to deceive us, to think that we are rich, fine. We are at Harlem. We don't need forgiveness. We don't need to confront any issue. Just let's go with the flow. We need to confront the truth that God wants to reveal to us. Tolerating dysfunctional behaviors. I have heard so many wives coming to us for 
uh, marriage counseling. And after half an hour of talking to them, praying with them, and showing them what they need to do, at the end, they close the meeting with, well, um, he loves me anyway, and I think God will change him with time. Tolerating dysfunctional behaviors. Denying wrongdoing. Denying it's not good. It will not take us to this path of forgiveness. And the mind is so powerful that many times we put into this box of forgiveness, of, of forgettingness, what happened to us. And it's a way to protect our own selves. And usually happens during the first years of life when someone experiences um, abuse or traumatized experiences. Just you don't for, you forget about that. But God, if you pray, He will bring back into your memory everything that you need to remember in order to work to forgiveness and healing. Excusing sin. Oh no. We don't. We are not called to excuse sin. We are called to call sin by its own name. With love, with touch, with mindfulness, with thoughtfulness. But sin is sin. Even though you put makeup on it, you, you spray it, a nice perfume, sin is sin. And God wants to free you and me from sin. Now, forgiveness is choosing to cancel the debt of wrongdoing. You don't have to walk, walk in life, move on in life, just carrying this debt. You know, sometimes we, have, we are in uh, financial needs, right? And we, the first thing we, need, we, we think to solve our problem, our financial problem, is, oh, I would just get a loan, or I'm going to borrow some money from a friend. God wants us to work on this debt. He doesn't want us to just carry more debt and debt, thinking that that's the solution. You know how we see America today in this global uh, financial system where they are just injecting money and printing dollars and thinking that's going to fix the, the, the economy, but they are making the hole even bigger and bigger. It's the same thing with this, with forgiveness. If you don't forgive, you know, forgiveness is choosing to cancel that debt. You don't want to add more debt. You want to get free, right, from that debt. And that comes when you forgive. Laying aside your right to hold them accountable. Oh, I'm going to make right justice here. I'm going to tell them this and that. And you take in your own hands justice. No, give that to God. He's a judge, our faithful judge, right? And he will take care of that for us. Remember, you are not responsible for other people's choices or their emotions around their choices. Again, you are not responsible for other people's choices or their emotions around their choices. And that's the problem. Sometimes we just want to make ourselves responsible for someone else's choices and reactions and actions. No, we cannot. 
God doesn't want us to take that burden. He's not calling us to take that burden. Okay? Building healthy boundaries. I know Mama Puli remembers this really well. When I was at Harland one time, she found me crying. And she was like, why are you crying? I'm just overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. I don't know what to do. I want a quick Harland. <laughs> it's too much. And she said, you need to learn to say no. Do you remember Mama Puli? I believe we all need to learn to say no. We all need to learn to say N-O, no, and set up our boundaries. But unfortunately, like in my case growing up, the only boundary that I was taught was have good distance with the opposite sex, you know? And that's good. That saved me from a lot of trouble. But apart from that, I wasn't taught other healthy boundaries. Like when in your household, you have a sibling who is bullying you. How do you work in that? How do you say no to that? And if in your household, there is not a healthy environment, a healthy emotional environment, you will not be able to deal with this. So you grow up thinking that this is normal. Bullying is normal. Controlling, manipulation, it's normal. Right? So you say no to a potential boyfriend, but you allowed your sister or your brother or someone uh, in the church to harm you and to use you and to manipulate you and to bully you. It's not doing any good. Right? Now, I love when the Bible gives us these principles because most of the time we go online, we Google things about psychology or we look for a mental health book for answers. But our book number one on mental health, forgiveness and freedom, is the Holy Word of God. In Jeremiah 7, chapter 7, we find something really interesting. God setting boundaries, and he is our, our example, right? Now, Prophet Jeremiah, and you know the story, he's praying, and he's doing this intercessory prayer for his people because God is about to bring punishment on them. They are in rebellion, they are in apostasy, and the prophet Jeremiah is praying and praying and saying, Lord, my people, my people. And what, and what was God's answer? Stop praying. I'm not going to answer that prayer. That's a pretty good boundary, right? Even though he was the prophet in that time, God did say until here. I know you are the prophet. You're supposed to intercede for your people, but enough is enough. I'm not going to answer your prayers. God is showing us that we need to set up healthy boundaries. Next one, next example. The Apostle Paul. We know that his health was affected after his trip to Damascus, right? I believe it was his vision. And for many, many years, I believe until his death, he was having health issues. So here it is, him praying and asking the Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me. 
take away this pain. And God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Stop praying because I'm not going to heal you. Because I want to glorify myself in your weakness. God is setting healthy boundaries. And sometimes he will not answer our prayers, not because he doesn't want to answer, but because he wants want us to exercise faith in him and allow him to glorify himself through our weaknesses. So these are, these, are very, these are two good examples of healthy boundaries. Another one that I like is about Mary, when after Jesus is resurrected and she's crying, you remember? She's crying because the body of Jesus has been taken away. She doesn't see the body and she's so, so sad and she's crying. And now Jesus comes before her and when she recognizes Jesus, she wants to hug him. And he said, no, Mary. Not yet. Usually we give people what they want because we want to please them and keep them happy. Jesus didn't do that with Mary. He was giving us, we know the, the meaning of this, but I take this as an example of a healthy boundary. God put in boundaries, even with Mary, the one he healed from seven demons, right? So healthy boundaries are important. Healthy boundaries are limits you set around your time, emotions, physiological energy, and physical space and body to protect yourself from feeling drained by others in your life. For instance, a healthy boundary at work, ministry, maybe saying no to a project that will cause you to work late and will interfere with your self-care and work-life balance. Important to say no. If you love yourself and you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter if you have workaholics around you, you must take care of that, the body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, because you are accountable before God. And probably someone who is really workaholic is pushing you. I never feel tired. I'm always taking work here and there, and I'm so fine. Oh, well, good for you, but I need to take care of myself. What about when they can like, we are supposed to be self-sacrificing. We are supposed to die to ourselves. Well, you said to that person, God says, yes, we must die to self daily. And I'm dying to self daily by the grace of God. But I'm not killing myself daily. So thank you very much. I'm not taking this extra work because I'm accountable before God. Set up boundaries, my friends. That was very hard for me here at Harland. So hard. I didn't want to say no to anyone. Trust me, it was just so hard. I was scared of that simple word. No. No, thank you. And, and you know, Satan is so... Oh, the way he works... In these spiritual environments, 
what he does is use spiritual manipulation, Bible verses to convert you to work extra hours. You need to sacrifice yourself. Jesus was so self-giving. And we need to follow the steps of the master. And you think that that's the voice of God. And you even said, hallelujah. But Satan is taking you to overwork yourself, to kill yourself, and just destroy yourself. Boundaries. Say no. Because when Jesus comes, he doesn't want to see you dying. He wants to see you thriving. He wants to see you in good health. Even though we are going to go through uh, the end time events and what, what we know is about to come into this world, we need to be in good health. Take care of yourself. Next. How to set personal boundaries. And I'm going to go move past here, Debbie. Seven steps. Steps. Define, define, identify, desire, boundary. Communicate, say what you need. Stay simple. Don't over-explain yourself. Avoid over-apologizing. Set consequences. Say what is important and practice what you want to say. Define. Okay, this is the boundary I want to have. I define my boundary and now I need to work on being um, truth to my boundary. Now communicate what you need. Usually you expect others to guess your needs, but that's not their job. You are supposed to define your needs. You know, growing up, because I experienced neglect during my childhood years, it was hard for me to express my needs, what I want. When I stepped into marriage, it was very difficult because I was scared of my husband. I was scared of asking him, I want ice cream. And he found my struggle while we were in our courtship. One day he told me, I think you have some issues with communication. I think you have a hard time communicating your needs. And I was like, no, no, I'm good, I'm fine. You know, that's what we always say, right? Denied. We don't take responsibility on our actions. And he said, I see how you react when we are passing through the ice cream shop. I know you want ice cream, but you are scared of asking me. Yes, honey. I said, yes, you're right. I opened up my heart to him and I said, yes, I have really hard time communicating my needs. And I expect others to know and tell me what I need. So during the first years of marriage, the first year of marriage, he began to help me. So I was expecting for him to say the magic word. What do you want? <laughs> so that what you want means now I can tell him what I need. But he's very smart, <laughs> very wise. And he will not say the magic word. And that was hard for me. So I will go, honey, you know I love you. 
Oh, I love you too. It didn't work, okay. Um, you know, I don't wanna cook today. Oh, that's really good. We can fast. <laughs> Honey, look at the dress. Oh, I like the dress. Oh, yes, it's really beautiful. And the one next to it is more beautiful even. <laughs> he was, he's been a good helpmate. He has helped me a lot. And I, I tell him, give me hard time. You know, keep me on my toes because I need to break all this. And praise the Lord. Now I tell him, honey, you know what? I'm not scared of you anymore. <laughs> now my problem is that I cannot content myself. <laughs> <laughs> How important it is for us to develop good communication skills. And trust me, I didn't know what I had these issues until I got married. You know? Because all your life you expect people to guess what you need. And that's why you struggle. That's why you suffer. And you are in the corner. Oh, people don't like me. Oh, I feel so lonely. Oh, this world is so hard. Well, it's harder because you're making it harder. Set up healthy boundaries, and you will see that you will embrace your identity, you will have ownership, and you won't deal with all these issues. Stay simple. Sometimes we like to over-explain ourselves. You know, I don't want to work today. It's my day off. Bad and this and that and mm hmm. When you over explain yourself, you don't know your need, you haven't identified your need, and you don't have self worth. That's hap that happens when you over explain yourself because what you are doing, you are trying to convince the other person about your needs, about your worth. That's why you over explain yourself. That's why you over explain yourself. Keep it simple. Thank you, sister, for thinking about me. Unfortunately, I won't be able to help you today. Thank you very much. Keep walking. Nice, polite, short, sweet, and to the point. Done. But oh, we like to give a whole poem, explain ourselves, trying to convince this person about my worth. Remember, we live in a very selfish world. Only God knows your needs. Only God knows your need. Nobody else does. And if you married, and if you are married with a godly newborn husband or wife, it will be a blessing to you because you together will help each other in this aspect. Okay, practice what you want to say, the last one. You know, that's what I had to do. I had to practice and practice and practice. Sometimes the way I wanted to respond to someone who I knew he was a very possessive, controlling person. So I will go to my room, stand before the mirror, and I will practice and practice and practice. I will pray, and then I will come so sure of myself. Thank you, sister were thinking about me. Unfortunately, I'm not able to help you today. Goodbye, farewell. <laughs> it works, it helps a lot.
You know, it, it sounds funny and silly, but practicing what you want to say, it's important. Even when you, especially when you are not so sure of yourself and you lack self-confidence. All right, next. Why it is important to have boundaries, improve emotional health, improve relationships, clear expectations for others, respect for, from others, and self-respect, improve self-care capabilities. Avoidance of burnt out. I don't know, you don't know. I'm sure you don't know about what burnt out is, right? Develop autonomy, decrease stress, develop identity, helps you re regain your stolen dignity. Remember this morning we mentioned how the sower of evil seeds managed to steal your innocence and break and damage your identity and dignity. Next, before we read this, let's go to this list. These are just signs of healthy boundaries. If you want to know if you don't have healthy boundaries, it will be the opposite of this. Say no without guilt. You're not just saying no, but not feeling guilty because you are saying no. Oh, many times, how guilty I felt for saying no. Oh, I hurt her feelings. Oh, I shouldn't say no. No, say no. Don't feel guilty. Asking for what you want or need. Taking care of yourself. Saying yes because you want to, not out of obligation or to please others. Oh, how many times we said yes because we want to please others and keep people happy, but we are so miserable. Behaving according to your own values and beliefs. Feeling safe to express difficult emotions and have disagreements. Feeling supported to pursue your own goals. Being treated as an equal. Taking responsibility, responsibility for your own happiness. Nobody else is responsible for your happiness but you. Not feeling responsible, okay, being in tune with your own feelings, knowing who you are. Remember the question I asked you this morning, what you believe and what you like. Knowing who you are, where are you going, and how do you envision yourself in the future, it's very important. If you don't know who you are in Jesus Christ, Satan will tell you what you can be in his power and under his control. Our freedom comes at an extreme cost. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The idea of redemption also celebrates God's merciful generosity in paying the high price for our freedom. God gives us freedom and dignity. We are no longer slaves. It's not about just following the rules and being obedient. It's about allowing God to sanctify your heart and give to yourself the same value that he has given you because he has paid the ultimate price for your salvation and your redemption. And when you don't take care of yourself, when you don't appreciate yourself, when you allow others to step on you and to manipulate you in control, you are 
really saying, I don't care for your sacrifice, God, in the, in, in the cross for me. I don't need it. We need to value the sacrifice that our Heavenly Father came to do for us. He gave it all for us. And we need to value ourselves, not because we are worthy, but because he has placed a value on Debbie, on Enoch, on my husband, on everyone here. You are valuable. You are precious before God. Learn to respect yourself. And in the way you respect yourself, others will respect you. If you lower yourself and you um, act like a carpet, like a rag, people will treat you that way. Trust me. We need to walk as dignified children of God. Number seven. Embrace the journey. Share your story. There is a point, a beautiful point in this journey God wants you to reach. And it's that place where God tells you, go. Go, my beloved daughter, and share what I have done for you. Go, my son, and share with others what I'm doing and what I have done for you. And it's beautiful. Because the more you share your story, the more your broken identity will be reestablished. Years ago, I was listening to a motivational speaker, and towards the end of his presentation, he said something that I still remember. He said, God has the power to gather your broken pieces to recreate a new you out of those broken pieces. I respect the point he wants to make, and I understand the point he wants to make. But I personally believe God doesn't need your broken pieces to recreate a new you. Remember our friend? God has the power to recreate you from scratch. He doesn't need your broken pieces. This is the power of God in your life, if you allow it. This is the power of God. He doesn't need your broken pieces. Stop, my friend, mistaking yourself for a rosebud and not for the flower you are meant to be. May the Lord bless you. Amen.